Hi, it's Jesse, and this is a shout out to everyone who jumped on JoeFresh.com to get my limited edition matching family collection. It's been selling so fast. The baby romper, the kid set, and the dress are my obsessions for the summer. I am loving seeing them on your kids, and they're so affordable. The toddler dress is $16. That's why I bought 10 and smuggled them back into the U.S. illegally for my friend's kids. I shouldn't have said that on a recorded medium. Anyway, the Jesse Collection is out now in select stores and at joefresh.com. Get it before it's gone. Or before I'm gone. To jail. This week on Phone a Friend. The Super Bowl happened and I'm giving you the Ponder Replay by play. I'm sharing intimate details about my sexy Valentine's Day. And my deeply personal conversation with Dan Levy continues. This time we tackle fame. I don't feel like I'm a paparazzi favorite. They're like, let's watch him eat a bagel. Fatherhood. But like, do I hate kids? I don't know. (laughs) And life after Schitt's Creek. It wasn't like a sexy role where like I came out of it drowning in dates. Ew, David, let's just start the episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Girl, let's phone a friend with Jesse. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jesse Crookshank. This is Phone a Friend, the number one comedy podcast. I mean, I just, uh, can I just say what, how, I don't even, uh, thank you, obviously, thank you to Dan, to you. I have never been number one at anything. I'm not even my own number one priority. So, like to create something and and put it out in the world that I was so nervous about and have it go to the number one podcast right out of the gate. Like that just, I mean, nothing like that has ever happened to me. Dan and I will talk about this later in, in the show today. Um, and also, if I can just get personal for a second. Let's get personal. I think for the last, I'm going to say like 10 years of my career, I have been 
fighting to be seen as a comedian or just sort of someone who works in the comedy space. But because I'm a woman and because I like fashion and I like hair, really, honestly, because of the way I look, I think it's made it really easy for people to sort of dismiss me as just a host or a television personality. And especially now that I'm a mom, it is very easy for people to just sort of reduce you to that. And every mom listening knows we're not just that. Um, one time I hosted the Juno Gala, which was like I had to do a full-blown monologue. I wrote three hours of jokes. And after the show, a network, a huge network executive, really powerful guy walks by me and he goes, hey, Jess, pretty funny for a mom. And another time, no, this is true. I mean, another time I'm working with a male co-host. We're doing the exact same job. And one day on set, he got really upset. I hope he's not listening. Got really upset because I was getting more laughs than him. And he storms out and he says to all of our bosses, I thought she was supposed to be the pretty one and I'm supposed to be the funny one. And later that day, the network pulled me aside and they suggested that I should joke less and smile more because he's the comedian they said. And you know in true crime documentaries when they show like the moment someone becomes a serial killer? Like that was it for me. That is when I became a full-on psychopath. And I was like, oh yeah, you think he's the comedian? I'll show you who's the comedian. And so I literally did like a nationwide stand-up tour. I traveled the country twice doing two and a half hours of stand-up just to prove to those people that I could do it, like even as a woman and as a mom that I could do it. And so to see my little podcast premiere ahead of all of these millionaire men, okay, it's like you look at the charts, it's me and my little underpants sitting up there above some of the biggest male comedians on the planet, above Conan O'Brien and David Spade and Will Arnett and Jason Bateman. Like, my, it just felt so gratifying. And it really is because of all of you. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for writing lovely reviews. I'm reading them all. It really, it means the world to me. And I wasn't sure if I should say anything about it on this episode, if I should just like pretend it wasn't a big deal to me, but it is. And I really wanted to give myself permission to sort of celebrate the little successes and give myself a moment to just go, yeah, I did that. I am on top of the charts. I am ahead of Smartless. Fuck you, Jason Bateman. Fuck you, Jason Bateman. Thanks, boys. Another woman had a fuck you men moment this week while pregnant and suspended in the air. And I had to wait three whole days to talk about it. I can't wait anymore. It's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah. We're starting with the Super Bowl. And by Super Bowl, I mean the Rihanna pregnancy reveal. We're going to get into the British Vogue article that just came out in a minute. But first, allow me to set the Super Bowl scene, okay? I was invited to a Super Bowl party at a friend's house who is a Rihanna stan. And she said guests should dress in an homage to Rihanna. Listen, I love a theme. So Sunday morning, I'm like going through iconic Rihanna looks on my phone. I'm looking in my closet. And I had a moment where I realized... If I attempted to dress in any way that resembled Rihanna, it would not be an homage. It would be a disgrace. It would be personally offensive to her. Like, what am I going to do? Wear a nipple-bearing mesh and crystal gown? Just going to show up in head-to-toe PVC? Like, how do you... I thought about going for a Rihanna street-style look. That's what I was like, okay, I can do this. But then I was like, so I'm just going to 
show up in oversized ripped jeans, heels, and an old windbreaker with my belly sticking out. Like, people will literally say there is an unhoused woman at this party who needs help. And that's the thing that I realized in that moment about Rihanna. She wears things. She does things so effortlessly in a way that nobody else can. So wait, Jesse, sort of interrupt. What did you wear? Oh, hi, Jason. Hi. I didn't wear anything. This is, this is Jason, my producer. I didn't wear anything themed. Oh. Can you believe it? I love a theme. Yeah. I, sh- I put my daughter in a Rihanna concert tee, and I showed up in basic-ass clothing. I was ashamed of myself, but I also didn't want to do the queen dirty like that. What did you wear? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I didn't. You didn't? I wasn't excited about it this year. Wait, whoa, okay. The Super well, Bowl, the, the halftime oh, show. No. I, yeah. You watch the halftime yeah. Wait, show? Wait, it's, it's two different things. <laughs> Jason is a gay man, so we just, we'll get that out of the way. We'll we'll come back to that. So for me, Jason, like, I, I just felt like Rihanna does things in a way nobody else can do them, and that includes pregnancy announcements. Like, This pregnancy announcement was so effortless, we didn't even realize it was an announcement. There are 118 million people watching going like, is she? I don't, is she? I I watched the whole show without even realizing or suspecting that she was pregnant. I was just in awe that she was in, you know, like mod robes eight months after giving birth, performing at the Super Bowl. It didn't even occur to me that she might be pregnant again. So then after the performance, One of the guys I'm watching with, my husband's colleague, he says quietly, "Uh, guys, was she, uh, was she pregnant? And I snapped on this man so fast. I just turned to him and yelled, no asshole, she's eight months postpartum. I was like, her body is still healing. We need to give her grace. And then there was like a long, quiet pause. And and roughly 12 minutes later, someone goes, um, no, actually, she's confirmed that she's pregnant. So really, my, my apologies to that man. I didn't think she looked pregnant because I just felt like I still look like that. I'm 20 months postpartum and I still, like, I just thought she had post-baby curves like the rest of us. But no, she is pregnant again. Um, people say it looks like she's about six months pregnant. And I just need to say this. Performing at the Super Bowl while pregnant is impressive. Wanting to have sex again two months after giving birth, possibly more impressive. Very fast. It's very fast. Because, like, as a woman, you know, you are still healing from wherever the baby came you're just so tired. You hate your partner. I don't know. Sex is not something that occurred to me two to three months after having my child. But, you know, she's Rihanna. Sex in the air. She don't care. She loves the smell of it. You know? I have to say, not everybody loved the show. So she got a lot of criticism from people. Mostly people just said the show was boring. And this is what I want to say. She was suspended in the air, literally descending from the heavens on a glass platform with 700 dancers performing banger after banger, like some of the biggest pop hits of our time, while making history as the only pregnant woman to headline the Super Bowl. What more do people want? I mean, I don't understand. I saw a tweet from a man, it should be noted, that said, Rihanna's Super Bowl was subpar. Pregnancy is no excuse for low energy and bad lip syncing. (laughs) I mean, 
I honestly kind of think pregnancy really is the ultimate excuse for low energy, but I don't know this man. You know, maybe he had lots of energy in his second trimester. Also, Rihanna doesn't give a fuck about what you think, sir, or what I think. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. She is out here strutting, dancing, shaking, blotting, can we just say iconic, She's, like, enjoying her show as much as the rest of us. And a lot of people were saying, like, maybe she toned it down because she was pregnant. And I just want to go on record and saying, I don't think that her performance or her energy level or lack of dance moves had anything to do with her being pregnant. I think we're reducing her by saying that. She is just famously relaxed at all times, in all settings, in all performances. Like, Jason, you've seen her live, right? I have, yes. And it was was very relaxed. Very relaxed. She was very late. Oh, I remember. Okay. Um, so, like, very relaxed. Very. Um, she's not even tripping about being on time. That's just her, though. I yeah. feel like she's just cooler than all of us. She's never going to give us Lady Gaga jumping off a roof or Katy Perry dancing with right. a shark. She's never going to be J-Lo on a pool. I mean, she's so much cooler than all of us. It's it's embarrassing. I feel like she was more nonchalant during her Super Bowl halftime show than I am recording this podcast. Truly. (laughs) Like, and I also think that if this were a man, we would not be criticizing him for being boring and for not dancing enough. I think that's what people were mad about. Like, Adam Levine literally stood behind a microphone in a black polyester jacket for 90% of his Super Bowl performance, and no one said, but where was the choreo? You know, and I love that. I don't think she needed special guests or wardrobe changes or like just her being there, belting out hit after hit was enough. And also, enough to beat the Super Bowl ratings, 113 million people watched the game, 118.7 million people watched the halftime show, which is 5.7 million girls and gays who are like, okay, diamonds are forever and we're turning this shit off. Those are my people. And that's not all the Rihanna we got this week. She also graced us with her beauty on the cover of British Vogue. Did you see this? She looks unbelievable. The baby is adorable. He's in a little leather diaper. Maybe the most shocking thing about the story is that she actually says things about motherhood that are relatable. So I thought I would break down the three things I learned that made me say, Rihanna, she's just like us. So first of all, she says when her and ASAP Rocky came home from the hospital, they had no child care. It was just them and the baby. She says she didn't sleep. She didn't know what to do. She says she barely had time to shower. Relatable. I didn't have time to shower today, and my kids are five. Next, she says dressing for pregnancy was easy, but postpartum was hard because everything was too small or too big, and she didn't want to invest in new clothes. Relatable. Finally, she says her son is obsessed with his father, and when they're together, she feels left out. Hashtag relatable. Seriously, my boys only want their dad at all times. I feel like if I left and never returned, I'm not sure they would notice. They'd be like, huh, no one got us dressed or took us to school, but dad's here to wrestle. In conclusion, we're all just $1.4 billion away from being Rihanna. What's next? What's next? Okay, Valentine's Day also happened this week. And I should apologize to our guest, uh, Dan Levy, for even bringing it up. Because if you listened last week, you know how he feels. Valentine's Day is, I think, the worst holiday (gasps) on the planet. 
And in today's conversation with Dan, we'll talk a little bit more about dating and a time where he felt like his privacy was violated in a pretty gross way. But first, how was your Valentine's Day, friends? Was it sexy? Was it romantic? My husband Evan and I have been together for 15 years. We have three kids. But that doesn't mean we didn't keep the spark alive this Valentine's Day. And because this is a podcast, I feel like it's a safe space to share intimate details about my personal life. So I'm going to tell you everything about my Valentine's Day. The night before, I stayed up late, grunting and heavy breathing while hand-making 55 Lego-themed Valentines for my kids' classmates. On Valentine's morning, my husband reached for me under the sheets at 5.30 a.m. He whispered into my ear, The baby's up. You get her. He then rolled to the other side of the bed and fell back asleep. After burning several heart-shaped pancakes while my five-year-olds screamed and pulled each other's hair, I rushed to get all three kids dressed and out the door. My husband did nothing to help, so I verbally accosted him, and I believe at one point I did call him useless. That night, the five of us gathered around the table for a romantic candlelit dinner, which consisted of a heart-shaped pepperoni pizza I ordered at the last minute from Pizza Hut. I asked my kids to share one thing they loved about everyone at the table, and they told me they only loved Daddy. Once the kids were asleep, I told my husband I was going to go slip into something more comfortable. He nodded from the couch while watching a basketball game. I changed into my finest oversized Terry Fox Run t-shirt and fell asleep at 9.30 p.m. Happy Valentine's Day. Whoo! Hmm. Just fanning myself off here. Was yours just as hot? I just need to add this. Jason, my producer, was genuinely concerned. We record this podcast on Wednesday, which was the day after Valentine's Day. And Jason said, Jesse, what happens if Evan surprises you and whisks you away on a trip or like a romantic getaway and you can't record the podcast? I just thought it was so funny. My husband did did tell me he was planning a surprise for me. So Jason was was truly worried that I would be, I would be whisked away. <laughs> We have three kids. The last time I was whisked away was when I had to go pick up my baby because she had diarrhea at school. Like, it doesn't happen like that anymore, and that's okay. He did surprise me with a new wallet, which is, yeah, I mean, please. He got me a gift. I wasn't expecting that. And I do have a George Costanza wallet that I've been, like, stuffing receipts in for 10 years. Um, But he gave it to me, and then he told me he went to the mall, and he was, like, paralyzed. He didn't know if he should go to Macy's or... Louis Vuitton, and he said he was walking through the mall and he just saw a picture of Jennifer Lopez in the coach store, and he thought to himself, Jesse likes Jennifer Lopez, so he got me a coach wallet. So Jennifer Lopez is earning all of her money um, right there with that purchase. I did have genuine, euphoric, full-body pleasure on Valentine's Day in giving away 30 pounds of Lego. And this might be like the, the most genius thing I've ever done as a parent. So my boys love Lego. So we made little bags with tags that said built to be friends and then filled them with Lego, which was our Lego. This was our used Lego because I wanted to get rid of all the Lego in my house. And because my boys are in separate classes, I had to make 60 Valentines and basically got rid of two bins full of Lego this Valentine's Day. Thank you. 
I really hope no moms from my kids' school are listening because then you'll know that, you know, the school was basically my goodwill this Valentine's Day. I literally gave your children my trash as a token of love. Thank you. Um, Speaking of Lego, in science news, a group of six doctors were tired of getting panic calls from parents whose kids had swallowed Lego. So they decided to swallow Lego themselves to see how long it would take to poop out, if it would come out, if it would cause any detrimental effects, all in the name of science. And as a parent whose kids have swallowed a lot of Lego, I mean, I feel like my kids have probably swallowed more Lego than vegetables, especially the third one, because, you know, who knows what she's up to at any given time. So to me, this is important scientific research. I mean, like, forget curing cancer. This is it. So here's what the doctors found. They found that the average time it took them to excrete the Lego was 1.71 days. Which is great. I mean, that's less than two days. They found no detrimental uh, health side effects to swallowing the Lego, which I feel should be very reassuring for all of us parents whose small children are definitely eating Lego heads right now. Like, truly, while you're ignoring your children to listen to this podcast, you know they're swallowing mini figs. But I don't need six professional doctors to do this research when I can consult my own expert. Hi, Rio. Hi, Mommy. I have a question for you. What? Do you remember the time your brother swallowed a Lego wheel? Yeah. Why did he do that? Because he was playing a game. And the game involved swallowing the wheel? No, he accidentally swallowed it. Okay, and do you remember what happened to it? It got pooped out. It got pooped out, and how did we know it got pooped out? Because there was a wheel-shaped Dre's poo. (laughs) Because there was a wheel-shaped. On Dre's poo. That's right. And you know why you remember that? Because it was the happiest moment of my life. Yes? Can I go back to the house now? Sure. Thank you for your time, Rio. Bye, Mommy. Oh. <laughs> On Phone a Friend, we really go beyond the headlines to bring you new perspectives from experts in their field. It's called journalism. It's the reason that this show is currently sitting on the charts above Dateline. which we really are. And honestly, disclaimer for any of my children's classmates who might be listening, I I gave away Lego that did not pass through their digestive system. I don't think. Speaking of poo and prestige content, this is the perfect time to introduce a new segment called What's the Hot Shit? What's that hot shit? So if you're like me, you're busy, you're tired, you're Ben Affleck at the Grammys. You may not have time to stay on top of pop culture so you can understand references like that. But I'm here to help. I'm going to list some of the hottest headlines for you to keep in your back pocket so that you feel young and Gucci the next time you need to make small talk before everyone enters the Zoom meeting. I definitely misuse the term Gucci, but I need this podcast too. Let's begin. Tom Brady must have listened to last week's podcast where I celebrated his first thirst trap because he since admitted that after posting his semi-nude selfie, he needed to Google the term thirst trap. (laughs) He didn't know what everybody was talking about. I just feel like if posting a thirst trap on Twitter isn't some middle-aged man shit, having to Google thirst trap is, okay? And in related news, my husband Evan listened to the pod last week. Not all of it. He doesn't have time for that. Uh, And also admitted he needed to Google the term thirst trap. 
Evan said he'd never heard it, and he said he'd never seen one, which is clearly because he's married to me. Someone we won't be getting nude photos from anymore is Chris Evans. Remember that? I googled those pictures so aggressively when that happened three years ago that today, when I googled Chris Evans for this story, my search history was all Chris Evans' penis? Sadly for all of our penises, he is officially off the market. He's been secretly dating this actress, Alba Baptista, for a year, and on Valentine's Day, he posted dozens of pictures with her on his Instagram story. So they are very much Instagram official. In stories, at least. I'm saying put her on the grid, Chris. He's 41. She's 25. I'm just saying that because I'm deeply jealous of her youth, her beauty, and now her man. But happy Valentine's Day to them. Pop group S Club 7 are bringing it all back to you with a 25th anniversary reunion tour in the UK later this year. I said these were the hottest headlines. I should have probably added to me, okay? The hottest headlines to me. I played S Club Party at my live tour. If you were there, you know. I lived for them in 1999 to 2000, but I haven't thought of them since. And so I thought I would do a quick search, which turned into a deep and very dark dive. So S Club 7 broke up in 2003. One of them suffered a mental breakdown after being labeled racist on a reality show. One of them rebranded himself as a psychic wizard and is selling tarot readings on a premium rate phone line. One of them recently revealed that she was experiencing homelessness and had to sleep in a friend's office over Christmas. There were bankruptcies. There are gambling addictions. There are back problems. So this is going to be a hell of a show. Better get those back problems worked out so you can jump in the air and spell out an S with your finger before the tour kicks off next fall. That's all I'm saying. In more comeback news, Mattel just announced that they're bringing back Barney, the big purple dinosaur. But instead of a sweaty man jumping in a plush dinosaur costume, they've given Barney a modern makeover with a new animated series. So the first photo of cartoon Barney dropped online, and it's officially trending with the hashtag NotMyBarney. People are claiming that Barney has been subjected to buccal fat removal. Is that how you say it? Buckle. Buckle? Wait, how do you know that? I, I, I looked it up. I looked it up. <laughs> oh, well, your cheekbones are protruding, Jason. Um, buckle fat removal. So it's this very trendy cosmetic procedure where you pull out fat from under your cheekbones, right? It's what people think Leah Michelle had. Anyway, when you look at the before and after pics of Barney— his eyes are bigger, his nose is smaller, his cheekbones are protruding, his face is slim. Is no one safe from unrealistic beauty standards? Not even a plush dinosaur? I mean, what's next? Peppa Pig on Ozempic? Thank you. <laughs> that was a good joke. Okay, finally, I'll tell you who else is setting unrealistic beauty standards. Drake's five-year-old son, Adonis, who might be the cutest five-year-old I've ever seen, and I have two of them. This kid has no business being this gorgeous, and this week, Adonis Graham sat down for his first ever tell-all interview. It was with Barstool Sports, and he, I have to say, he didn't tell much, to be honest. He mostly just drank a juice box and looked confused, but this was one of the revelations I appreciated. Can you read? No, I can't. Why not? Because, but there's a... A him that can read. His name is Kyle. Nerd. What does nerd mean? Too smart for school. Yeah. 
you think if you had a better dad, you would be able to read? Yeah. I mean, I don't even think you have to learn to read when you live in a $100 million mansion with an NBA regulation-sized indoor basketball court. I think he's going to be just fine. And that's the hot shit. Moving on from a... (laughs) I like that we set this segment up as, like, things, tools that you can use to make conversation. And I just hope that all of you listening go out there today and say to somebody at the water cooler, did you hear S Club 7 is getting back together? (laughs) I just really want that for all of us. You're welcome. Moving on from a child to someone who wants nothing to do with children, it's time to continue the conversation with my friend and rumored lover, Dan Levy. So last week, we established that Dan and I were never a couple. Shocking. He is very single. He is maybe ready to mingle, but does he see kids in his future? Here is part two of our maybe too revealing reunion. Enjoy. Girl, let's phone a friend. Um, Dan, I have to ask you about this because I've been dying to know. You're obviously a dog person. You're not necessarily a kid person. Like, I have mm-hmm. had many a children's birthday party that I have not invited you to out mm. of the kindness of my heart. Mm-hmm. But your sister has a baby. Yeah. So how do you feel as an uncle? I love the baby. Mm-hmm. Does it open something up? Like, does it rattle your ovaries? No. He's so cute mm. and sweet mm. and doesn't cry and doesn't take up too much space. <laughs> and he's <laughs> very... <laughs> um, describing... And also my sister is so good with him that you kind of don't notice it. But like, do I hate kids? No. I don't have, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No. I just don't have, I don't have the bones in my body. Four children. Like, I don't look at a kid and, like, light up. No. and that's... I look at a kid and I think, <sighs> be quiet. Yeah. And you know what? That's how you should be. That's you. You don't have, like, that's yeah. great. That's great. It's a beautiful thing You're about gonna be able to have this being an independent spirit. couch as a result. I get to keep all my couches clean. Oh, my God. It's just a gorgeous white <sighs> curtain. That wouldn't exist in my house. A white curtain. Yeah. I didn't have anything white. Tea stained my curtains just to... Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it looks better on television. It's a lovely choice. Um, But I just want to ask you this, because you and I have established that we were, we were, like, quite unprofessional in certain times of our jobs Mm -hmm. because we were real fans Mm -hmm. you know like i could barely breathe when i met Mm -hmm. hansen Mm -hmm. you had like a sweaty palm when adele walked into the same Mm -hmm. space as you have you developed coping mechanisms now that you are surrounded by quite famous people in certain settings or do you still revert to like a 2009 version it's interesting there have been these wonderful sort of full circle moments that I've been very fortunate to have. Funnily enough, winning an MTV Movie Award felt like the strangest. Right. Went from crying. Crying on that MTV red carpet. To like winning one. Unreal. Which, to be perfectly honest, how? <laughs> um, how did that happen? Yeah, full circle. I did the Kelly Clarkson show. Yeah. Nearest and dearest know how much I love Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Always have. You mentioned earlier jobs. And actually, uh-huh. we have met... Like a few times before, you interviewed me. Times. Yes, of course I did. You were is mm-hmm. MTV Canada. Yeah. So anyway. this ultimately is making me look like a total stalker creep. 
I feel like I was very amped up when I when Kelly and I <laughs> were chatting. relaxed. Okay. Relatively yeah. relaxed. Yeah. I think if you lose enthusiasm for like people that you love, uh, then where does it all What's the point? You have to be an enthusiast. I don't well, I don't think I'll ever be jaded by this industry. I'll always find people, places, things to love. Mm-hmm. Um, because this show is called Phone a Friend, I am contractually obligated to ask you. Who is the most famous person in your phone? <laughs> Don't look at me like I'm going to take it and call it. I just want to know the name. Who's the most famous person in my phone? Mm-hmm. Your little contacts. Well, maybe like I, uh, there was a point during the pandemic <laughs> when I was um, messaging Kate Winslet. Um, what? which was a very cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I ended up posting like a Q and A for her, uh-huh. um, when her movie Ammonite came out and she was a big fan of Schitt's Creek. Oh my God. And so we found each other. I mean, that's been sort of the amazing thing about Schitt's Creek. the show is mm-hmm. that it's, it's been able to introduce me to people that I love. Oh my God. Um, she's incredible. Oh, she's an incredible God. human being. So cool and grounded and in it for the right reasons and i guess that would be somebody that's big that's really big i was that's i didn't expect oscar winning (laughs) yeah yeah she's well i mean major I really cut to she phones in he does not have he, my number. I have no idea I've never heard of this person yeah because she's listening she mm-hmm. actually is listening to this episode yeah um I received a message a couple of years ago I want to say a year or two mm-hmm. ago and it was a weird some idiot took a weird grainy cell phone picture of you out for dinner with someone it was on a gossip site everybody is speculating if you're dating and I was like how do you Function. I think that was the most disgusting thing. I know what you're talking about. The most disgusting thing. Yeah. How do you function as a person or like, how do you go on a date? How Or what, you know, how do you be that in the world? particularly weird because here's my problem with that particular site that I will not name. No. Because I think, and granted, at the end of the day, anyone can do anything they want. To have a website... Mm-hmm. That is exposing by way of gossip, photos, first of all, unapproved mm-hmm. photos of people. Creepy Invasive, photos. Mm-hmm. violating photos of people. Mm-hmm. And then the people who share those photos have the freedom to be anonymous. Right. This is the problem. Right. So we are essentially promoting Mm -hmm. this culture of spying on people of taking photos of people in private situations Mm -hmm. and celebrating that Mm -hmm. by not showing any consequence to the act right that's the problem yeah if those photos were credited at the end of the day it's not it's like it's not a big deal yeah. I mean, it is. I think culturally it's it's kind of a big deal in the sense that I think there should be accountability. Mm-hmm. If you want to be the person that takes a photo of someone at a restaurant, mm-hmm. own it. Yeah. 
be the person that takes a photo of someone at a restaurant. Right. But that's more disgusting. Oh God, than anything nobody else. would ever. And yet, they're allowed to, because the whole business wouldn't run mm-hmm. if people had to own up to the disgusting things that they do. So how do you move through the world? Oh, you don't care. You just don't. Well, fortunately, I'm not. I don't seek that out, right. and I don't. It doesn't happen to me that often. Mm-hmm. That was weird. Weird. That was a weird thing. Weird. It's always strange when you hear about yourself on those kinds of places. Well, it's always strange if it affects you. If you have, if you're for a minute, like get angry about it or whatever, it's frustrating because you want to just. At the end of the day, like it it didn't, it didn't, Mm -hmm. it didn't. Yeah. I have a very nice life. Like I'm very fortunate. That doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the culture of spying on people and being rewarded with anonymity. It is a weird version of that 2008 Perez Hilton energy we were talking about. It is a weird version of that coming back in a strange way. Did you know that when we first like did one episode, somebody wrote a blog or whatever it was, like a blog, whatever was a the version of blogging back mm-hmm. then that was just dedicated to how bad I was and how I didn't deserve to be on television. And I wept, cried. I'm 22 years old, never mm-hmm. done this before. I've never in my life experienced that kind of like shame and trauma from somebody else. From a stranger. From a complete stranger. I got off Twitter for that reason. Really? Yeah. Getting off Twitter was the best thing I've ever done. I can't believe you ever... Ha- I mean, this Twitter? is how dumb I am. No, you were great on Twitter, but I can't believe you had negative energy. Well, for the most part, I didn't. Yeah. And it was reading one thing. Wow. That made me realize, oh, I don't have to be exposed to this. No. And it was more... I mean, more than that, I find Twitter to be a place where... It's almost where people go to pick fights. Mm-hmm. It's like the Olympic Games for um, one-upping each other in terms of how much we know. Ugh. And everyone will find a hole in everyone's argument. And and in doing so, like the discourse on Twitter is so counterproductive yeah. because it's not rooted in empathy. Yeah, It's rooted in catching someone out, shaming them publicly, mm. and then rallying people around that shame. And granted, this is like so general, but I just feel like conversation affects, I think, more effective change than pinning someone against a wall, grabbing a hundred people that you don't even know and throwing eggs at that person. (laughs) And that's what Twitter is to me. Wow. Not to mention the fact that like this, I read one stupid thing and, and I'm sitting on this is the absurdity of it. Yeah. I have thousands of letters from people who have come out of the closet. Their parents have accepted them. They, you know, got married to music that we played on the show. Like, mm-hmm. I know that the show has done things for people in very meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. And then I read one stupid thing from someone on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And it makes me question all the work that I've done. Ah. Uh. And it's one of those times, for the most part, I feel like I'm quite good at com- and at ra- instantly rationalizing, like, I don't care about this person. Yeah. But in that moment, it was late at night. Oh, yeah. I was feeling particularly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I read this tweet from someone. <laughs> I think it said something like, can we all admit Shit's Creek was overrated? <gasps> totally fine. I've never fine. heard any. Okay, yeah. I've totally heard. fine. But in the moment, I thought it wasn't even about the show. Mm. It was about the fact that 
we as a culture mm -hmm. feel so comfortable, A, tearing something down. Yeah. B, tearing something down publicly. Yeah. And then C, tearing something down publicly while asking others to join them. To join. Mm. So not only are what is what you're saying not positive, not constructive, not helping anybody or anything, but you're also now rallying mm -hmm. other people mm -hmm. to share in your hatred. Yeah. And I think symbolically mm -hmm. that is so sad. Mm -hmm. It didn't make me angry. It didn't make me... I felt obviously like odd. Yeah. It was a weird reaction, but yeah. I felt more than anything else, I felt sad wow. for the fact that we're in a culture where this is commonplace. Totally. And that person who sent that tweet probably didn't even think anything of it. No. Which is even more sad. And by the way, you're one of the most powerful people to receive a tweet like that. Imagine all the other people that and kids yeah. yeah oh who see who I'm at least equipped with like a nice life and like <laughs> fortunately like I don't have dependencies mm -hmm. I'm not I'm a, I'm a pretty good person I don't have mm -hmm. I'm not like on the hairy edge of like falling apart no, which a lot of people in never spoke to <laughs> cigarette a lot of people in entertainment when you're put on a pedestal yeah it's why people tend to destabilize it's why people mm -hmm. tend to falter mm -hmm. because it's hard to be mentally equipped to take on everything that people expect from you mm -hmm. and what I think entertainment tends to do to people, which is like, you know, you're perfect. Everything you say has to be perfect. Yeah. And if you say one thing that's not perfect, mm -hmm. then how dare you? Yeah. Yeah. I can't I can't imagine it. I mean, that's so interesting to me because I I don't know. I, I, I just feel grateful that you and I were never there was no Twitter when we started. I don't think I would have, I don't think I'd be here no. if there was social media when we were coming no. up. So much about your life has changed since the success of Schitt's Creek. I would like to imagine that the biggest change is you can't send a text to Kate, to anybody, without like pulling up a GIF and your face pops up. You are a living, mm. breathing human meme. Have you ever sent a text with your face in it? Don't lie to me. No. Are there any? I've gifts? sent one with Annie's face in it. Oh, that's fun. Are there any gifts or memes that you're like, I really would like that to be removed from the internet forever? That is not flattering. Well, most of the faces <laughs> I made in my show were not flattering. It's, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it well, wasn't yeah. like a sexy role where like I came out of it drowning in dates. Mm -hmm. Um, so so none of that. No, yeah. I really love the fact that people use the use the memes and the gifs. And the gifts, gifts for, you know, for eternity, for eternity. Yeah, I literally was at the Walmart. Thank you. <laughs> and there were uh -huh. Shit's Creek socks at the checkout in 2023. Mm -hmm. The merch. What Shit's merch would I find in your home if I did a if I did a search? Uh, <clears throat> well, I I. I quality control every piece of merchandise still. Of course. That's why the Rose Apothecary shit is so cute. Yeah. It's like you got to you, you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it gets a bit. Mm. Uh, probably the Monopoly game. Yeah. 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 The uh, book. Uh-huh. I think that's it. Really? Yeah. No totes? No pins? I gave all the totes away. 
oh, I have a wine bottle and some stationery from the Rose Apothecary, which I took when we wrapped the show. That's nice. Yeah, it's on my shelf. That's lovely. Um, obviously, anybody who knows you knows that you are aggressive about brunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're like a brunch. Yeah, I made a show about my love for it. Well, let's discuss. The Big Brunch, mm-hmm. I would like to know if you made that show to celebrate these chefs and everything they're doing to uplift their communities, or did you make it so you could eat brunch for eight weeks, at eight <laughs> episodes? Well, funnily enough, it came to me in a dream. Okay. And I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote it down, oh the God. premise for the show. It came out of the pandemic, and a lot of my friends work in food, mm-hmm. and it was one of the industries that was hit pretty hard. Things yeah. were closing all the time, and the industry was changing, and chefs... People who work with food are some of the most like amazing people I know. And at the time I thought, well, how can I showcase the beauty of these people and how important the culinary arts is to community building? What if we did a cooking competition show where the show is just as much about talking about their lives and what these people are doing for their communities by way of food as it is a competition? What I didn't expect at the time, because the show got greenlit. We knew we were going to make it. And then I had this kind of crisis of of ego, I guess, where I thought, well, is this the next step in my career? Like is hosting oh, a cooking competition something that I, is that what people are going to expect from me? Like, is that a weird thing? Hmm. Again, ego mm-hmm. should have just thrown it out. We started making the show and those chefs were together mm-hmm. rebuilt my faith in people. Wow. And it was the height of the pandemic and I felt lost mm-hmm. and sad mm-hmm. and politics was nuts. Mm-hmm. And I think some things come into your life to help you in ways that you could have never f- foreseen. Wow. And this show did that for me. Mm. And the fact that there was ever a point where I let my ego creep into my thought process and say like, well, is this the right move for my career? Like, fuck your career. Like, these are people who are going to open your eyes to humanity at its finest. That's how people have been reacting to the show. It's like deeply moving. Yeah. It was recently announced that you are writing, directing, starring in (laughs) your first feature film. Mm -hmm. I am so excited also having such violent night sweats for you. I am shissing myself just thinking about it. It's a very intense thing. I love a good challenge. Okay. The idea came to me quite organically. Mm -hmm. It's called Good Grief. It's called Good Grief. Um, My grandmother had passed away. My dog had passed away. I was confused about the feelings that I had for them. Mm Mm-hmm. I was constantly asking myself, like, why wasn't I feeling more? Mm. And I came to this realization that I feel like the pandemic, what it did was it kind of, in a way, like, democratized grief in the sense that it was all around us. It was so easily accessible that I didn't quite know where my grief fit into the collective grief that I was experiencing. Oh, that's so interesting. It was, like, a very strange time yeah and we were surrounded by death frankly and and anything that you were experiencing personally that what it was always i feel like it was sort of like a well it's not as important exactly as yeah 
it kind of everyone's singular experiences were kind of weighed against yeah. these headlines of like hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. passing away. And you thought, I just, I think my own feelings got lost along the way. Yeah. And this movie was my attempt to reconcile that. Oh my God. And it has nothing to do with my dog or my grandmother, but it does have everything to do with the examination of what grief means to people and is there a correct way to grieve. Wow. And so it's a funny drama Mm -hmm. about that. And I think because it's so personal, it never felt, I was never intimidated because it really felt like something I had to say. Huh. So it wasn't, I've really tried to keep the industry side out of it as much as I can. And considering making a movie is like both deeply creative and also a business. Yeah. I've tried my best to protect myself from the business side of things and really focus on telling the story as singularly and as thoughtfully as I possibly can. And so I think in that regard, I didn't have the time or the space to overthink it. Mm. And I just need to get it out there. Oh my God. And hope that people like it. When is it coming out? Do we, do you know? I don't know. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, It's still very early days of putting it all together, but you're, I'm here. You're here. Telling, you're telling here, the tale. You live to tell the tale. Uh, well, I mean, we're still going. I have, oh. I have many months more to edit. So you are my first guest uh-huh. on my debut podcast. Thrilled to be here. Mm-hmm. So I want to end this conversation by playing a rousing game that I am calling First Trap. Okay. Which is like my five-year-old saying, mm-hmm. trying Thir- to say thirst. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you get it. Okay. I'm going to go through a rapid list of firsts. You have to tell me yours. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. First trap. First job. I worked in a bakery. First celebrity crush. <gasps> um, I don't know. Hold on. First celebrity crush. Mm-hmm. Might have been like River Phoenix. Oh, Many of the listeners are going to have to Google who that is. We're <laughs> that old. Uh, first kiss. Where, when? Would have been in high school. Mm. Um, would have been in high school. First car. Uh, well, it was, I drove my family's Toyota Corolla. Sexy. Yeah. Okay. First Funnily pet. enough, uh-huh. my sister got into a huge accident <gasps> on the freeway in that Toyota Corolla flipped the car on the freeway, everyone in the car unharmed. What? This is not an ad for Toyota Corollas. Absolutely not. That car did a lot of good. Protected us. Wow. Mm -hmm. I was in a devastating car accident in a Toyota Prius. Toyota, please sponsor this podcast. (laughs) Saved saved me and my family's life. Wow. All right. First concert. Alanis Morissette. First time you got drunk. With me, apparently. Yeah. First time I got drunk was, yes, I know exactly where I was. Oh. Um, It was the, there, it was a pub up the street from where we were working. And I had, I think, three pints of beer and couldn't walk. (laughs) And it was the first time I'd ever been drunk. Really? Wow. That's incredible. And then we had many, like, we would go to that pub a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First expensive garment. It was a Rick Owens leather jacket that I bought when we were at MTV. I remember. I was um, 
eating a lot of lean cuisines at the time and was very unhealthily thin. Funnily enough, that was way out of my budget. You know, um, full circle moment on that jacket. Wore it in the pilot episode of Shit's Creek. Come on. That was your actual jacket? We arrive in Shit's Creek for the first time and I'm wearing that jacket. Wow. That just goes down to my mentality of like, I guess. Like dollars per wear. Yeah. Well, but also you were making shits and you were like, got to pull my own stuff. Oh, yeah. You're piecing it all together. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I love that. I remember when you got that Rick Owens jacket. First celebrity interview. Do you remember? Were you wait no, I was too traumatized. <laughs> first, first paparazzi shot. Do you remember? Yes. It was us also intoxicated holding Lauren Conrad getting out of a car somewhere after a night out after a show and we were paparazzi that was your first paparazzi shot you don't remember that not really no really no I don't feel like I'm a paparazzi favorite no but they're like let's watch him eat a bagel like it's not (laughs) I'm not I'm not like giving drama during the pandemic I guess because there was no other news, paparazzi were doing a lot of like people walking their dogs. Yeah. I hello. And I was paparazzied. Stop. Walking my dog Redmond. And the funny thing about this, like sweet thing, God rest his soul, always knew where the cameras were. Oh. I, of course, had no idea that I was being photographed at all. Oh. All the photos have Redmond staring down the barrel of the lens, <gasps> looking gorgeous stunning and i'm like on the phone oh my god mm. now i'm ha- gonna have to mm. google and look at those that's yeah. the, what a what an angel what an angel that little guy no really i mean mm. i'm fond of a redhead um okay first award was not with me <laughs> we, were, we were nominated we were for nominated. a few don't you remember every year we would go and lose hard yeah First award was probably, uh, I guess, a Canadian Screen Award. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you know what? Actually, funnily enough, when you were living in Toronto shooting shits, Uh you had a beautiful condo that I stayed in. You did. Because I was shooting my show the winter. You were shooting in the summer. So I stayed in your condo. And you had your early Canadian Screen Awards on display. And when I was settling in, I was like, oh, I should probably put those away. And then I was like, and on second thought. I'll just turn them around and leave them here. So if anyone comes in, they might think they're mine. <laughs> so I, mm-hmm. I proudly displayed that first award. I'm thrilled. Uh-huh. Finally, first time together, catching up in a public forum mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? Terrible. I <laughs> No, it was great. So nice to see you. We never get to see oh each other. Oh my God, it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. <sighs> so much to unpack. So much to talk about. I don't know. What am I doing? I don't know. An Oprah, We're holding hands. Holding hands. Like it's like this an is... Oprah and Gail moment. No, yeah. really. I really want to say thank you so much. You're so welcome. It means the world to me to have you as my first guest. <laughs> guest. Uh-huh. Everyone was like, I again. knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, and After I'm just this so podcast, grateful. They consummated love for each other <laughs> in one of the most uncomfortable lovemaking sessions <laughs> ever I've not recorded. recorded. On audio. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> thank you, Dee. Thank you for having me. Love you forever. Love you. Mm. 
And now you're supposed to say bye like it's a phone oh, okay. call. Uh, I'm okay. hanging up now. Okay, bye. Great call. Click. <laughs> Thank you to Dan Levy for consummating our love for each other live on this podcast. I really, I'm so grateful to him for his honesty, for his uh, candor. And I, I can't wait to be invited to a games night with Kate Winslet. After the break, you left me messages. I have to answer them. And one of them involves Audrina's flatulence. It's a classy pod. It's basically Dateline, but with more farts. That's coming up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're back, and I'm going to check my voicemail. Check, check, check your voicemail. So I have a phone number. It's in the description of this podcast. You can call me anytime, and it it comes directly to my phone. Leave me a message or ask me anything, and at the end of each episode, I get to listen to your voicemails and answer your questions for the first time live on the podcast, which is very exciting for you, slightly terrifying for me. Okay, let's play the first one. Oh, my God. Okay. Hello. I'm so nervous. Um, my name is Melissa. I am from um, Saskatchewan um, and in Canada, and uh, I just wanted to say I only started really watching The Hills because of the after show, and I also want to say that the pants rip when you were interviewing Adam Lambert is super iconic and hilarious, um, and also in when I was in high school, we had to make a bust of a celebrity um, in clay, and I did your face. But it didn't turn out well because the curls were hard to make with clay. Um, I think that's it. Um, I'm both. I'm very big fan of both you and Dan, and that's it. Okay, bye. Oh, thank you. I love that. Oh my god. I mean, Melissa. I really wish I could have seen your high school teacher's face out there in Saskatchewan. Uh, when she told you to make a bust of a celebrity and you made me. <laughs> she like, I'm sorry, who? What is this? Like a melting Celine Dion? What? I also feel like your clay bust of me 15 years ago might not have looked like me then, but it probably looks a lot like me now. 
you know, just kind of like me, but cracked and lumpy in places. So thanks for the call, Melissa in Saskatchewan, and for clarifying that that is in Canada. Let's play another one. Hey, Jesse, it's Kaylee from Edmonton. Uh, I'm so excited about your podcast. I remember when the Hill Doctor Show started, and so as an elder millennial, it's very exciting to hear you and Dan back together. Something that stands out for me uh, from the after show specifically was the remixes at the beginning. I would love to hear if you have any that stick in your head still. Um, and if, in fact, you were one of the ones who thought up the ideas and made the remixes. Thank you so much. And I am so excited to hear your podcast. Aw, thank you, Kaylee. The fact that she just came with as an elder millennial, I mean, I, I too, Kaylee from Edmonton, am an elder millennial. I believe I am the eldest millennial. I am I am the last or like the second last birth year. But yes, I love the remixes too. And I take no credit for them. Our genius producer, Garrett Wintrip, who is still a dear friend and is probably listening. Hi, Garrett. He was responsible for the remixes. And I think that we were kind of the first to do anything like that. Like this was before viral videos. He really sort of created that genre. I feel like the Cami remix is the classic Cami from the Laguna Beach part two. I don't remember how it goes, though. I don't remember. You know what? The funny thing is, I don't, and Dan and I talked about this, we don't remember a lot from the hills. Like, people will come up to me and quote things from the hills, and I don't I don't know what they're saying. I was at an event in New York in September, and a woman came up to me, and she said, oh, my God, hi, I was on the city. And I... I had literally looked at this person. I had no idea who this person was. She was like, season two? No fucking clue. No idea. I don't remember. I think it's like if you asked an accountant, do you remember that spreadsheet you made in 2009? She'd say no. You know, I don't know. It was, it was work for us. I mean, we loved the show, but it was still sort of like work. Anyway, sorry to this to this lady. Didn't know who she was. I will say... There is one tape piece that Garrett made that I will never forget. Um, he put it together for the series finale, and it was sort of an Audrina montage. But if you remember, Audrina had, like, long pauses. She, there was a lot of just, like, blank stares and pauses. So Garrett took iconic Audrina scenes from the series, and whenever there was a pause, so she'd be, like, out for dinner with Justin Bobby, and she'd say, like, yeah, maybe, he would insert a fart. So I'd be like, yeah, maybe. Just under the blank stare. Like, Audrina would be getting out of a pool in a bikini, and she'd sit down, and it would just go, you know, she'd be getting on a motorcycle and, like, fart. It was so dumb, but it was so funny. I don't think I've ever laughed harder at anything in my whole life since that Audrina farting montage and so we get to the series finale, which is the, the one that we talked about last week on the show with Dan. It was the one where we thought Spencer Pratt was going to kill us. We're there, and right before the show, the MTV network executives literally say, hi, we're going to need to talk about the Audrina fart segment, which is a conversation that I always want to have, really. Um, and they said, we think it's funny, but we have to show it to Audrina before we can put it in the show. Of course, Audrina watched it and was... I assume horrified because <laughs> she said we were not allowed to put it in the show. So nobody got to see that piece of genius. It never saw the light of day. 
And with a final fart from Audrina, that's our show. Thank you for your calls. I love hearing your voicemails. Keep them coming. Thank you for listening and subscribing and dropping a five-star review so we can keep this little podcast ahead of Jason Bateman. Fuck you, Jason Bateman. Huge thank you to my true friend and first phone-a-friend, Dan Levy. Now I have to go pull Lego out of the back of my child's throat. Or not. I could just let her swallow it. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Phone a friend was created by our mom, Jessie Crookson. The executive producers are Jessie Crookson and Jason Yanba. The technical producer is Rob Parrott. The amazing theme song and sexy interludes are by Jay Melanowski from Badwin Soundclash. Phone a friend is part of the Acast Creator Network. Credits are by us, Ray Gatika and Rio Gatika. We're her kids. That's crazy, right? Wow, you're still listening? Okay, see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.